Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. To get into our word today, join me in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Like I said, this is the conclusion of our series, Choose Joy. And um, I, I want to close this out in a, uh, it's kind of an unusual way, but I, I think it's going to make sense when it all comes together. So go with me to the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and it reads as follows My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought, the textiles of your life. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to one more time lean into your word. Father, over the last three weeks and now in our fourth, we've been really tuning in to what your scriptures say about joy. We want to remember as we near the end of the year that you've done so much for us and we've got to have the right posture. Our heart has to be turned in the right direction. We have to have a posture of joy. And even now, Father, I pray that you would help us to receive your word. I pray that you would still our homes, wherever we're watching from, that we would block out the noise and the distraction. And here, Father, what you have to say. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The textiles of our life. My wife and I, uh, we just came back from being on a short trip celebrating my wife's birthday. And uh, we left the state got away just the two of us it was an extremely restful time we had a blast and uh, where we went we were able to reconnect with one of our friends um, her and her husband uh, they are a military couple and um, so they have relocated uh, she has relocated out of San Diego but but they helped us launch Lighthouse Church North County last year so undoubtedly they have a very special place in our hearts. So when we decided to make a trip out of state, my wife connected with her. She said, come on, I, I, I want to see you guys. I, I want to host you guys. And, and she was incredible. She was a, such a gracious host. We had such a good time seeing her hometown. And as I mentioned, we were out of town for my wife's birthday. So when we went out for lunch, uh, restaurants are still open in Texas for any of you that miss a restaurant. But uh, <laughs> when we went out to have lunch, she, she had this gift for my wife. And there were a few things that she gave my wife. And, and, and one of them is, is this right here. It's this handmade present that she made my wife. And um, it, it's a scarf. And, uh, you know, as she sat down and she gave this to my wife, amongst other things, I, I really felt a nudge from God. And it really helped send me in this direction of what I want to talk to you today. Now, as a side note, if I ever go out to lunch with you, if we ever hang out, chances are you're going to make it into one of my sermon illustrations. Okay. So that's just a side note right there. But um, as she gave these gifts to my wife and she began to explain these gifts to my wife, it, it really struck a chord in me. Now, now this particular scarf is a color that she created, okay, she created this color. She created this color through the skin and the pit 
of an avocado. And it's kind of crazy when, when you see this. You're probably thinking, how can an avocado, how could the pit of an avocado and the skin of an avocado make this? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. So what I want to do in this message is going to be touching on that throughout this message. But hang on to that thought. Let me take you into the text first, and then we're going to unpack all of this as we talk about the textiles of our life. So our reading today is from the book of James. Now, who is James? James is the son of Joseph and Mary, the half-brother of Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus had siblings, okay? One of them that we know of that is confirmed is James. Now, that's important because I think anytime you get this perspective from a sibling of Jesus, it is different. Again, he's the only sibling to write about Jesus. And, um, and, and I really lean in. I, I lean into this letter, um, th- this book from James, because it offers such incredible perspective, But again, it's unusual perspective. Anybody watching online have any siblings that are brothers? I only have siblings that are brothers. I have three siblings and they are all brothers. And what is fascinating to me about James being Jesus's brother here on earth is imagine what that sibling rivalry was like, right? I mean, uh, your mom keeps saying that your brother is special and maybe she's not spilling all the beans exactly who he is. And you're like, he's not that special. I wonder if James and Jesus fought. I I could tell you if one of my brothers was a Messiah, I'd probably still pick on him. Okay. I'd still give him a hard time. I'd probably still make fun of him. Might live to regret it, but as siblings, I probably would have done the same thing. So, so what else about James? What we know about James? Well, get this. James was not one of the 12 apostles. He was not one of the 12 that followed Jesus. There was a James, but, but, but not him. He, he was another James. Okay. And so his brother, James, uh, was not one of the 12 apostles. As a matter of fact, he's not around at all during Jesus's earthly ministry. But what we know is that after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and then ascended up into heaven, That's when James came around. It's probably like, if I'm going to be honest, that's probably when sibling James was like, okay, now I'm convinced. All that time you said he was the Messiah, but you know, that was my brother. You know, he walked like a normal person, talked like a normal person, ate like a normal person. And maybe James thought he's just a nice guy, great teacher. Messiah, I don't know. But when his brother like rose from the grave, James was like, okay, now I believe you. Um, But that's the story of James. He, he, He actually is nowhere around in Jesus's earthly ministry, but there he is coming to the scene after Jesus has been crucified and now resurrected. And, and so when James writes, again, we got some good perspective here, but I love the way James writes because in his text and through the rest of the letter, what you'll see is that he is writing to the early believers and his big theme is simply this, act like Christians, Act like Christians. Doesn't that kind of seem like a sibling now coming to the defense of a brother? Um, But that's James's tone. His letter to all of the readers is, look, you are Jesus followers. You got to now behave like a Jesus follower. And so he gives them some themes such as patience and faith and wisdom. And he, he warns them about letting sin control their lives. And as he opens his letter, he writes this. He says, count it all joy. 
when you fall into various trials. Now, listen, even if you are not familiar with the Bible, you have probably read that statement, count it all joy on some sign in a Hobby Lobby or in a Home Goods. Okay, I am sure you have seen that even if you didn't grow up in Sunday school. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack that statement when he said, count it all joy and, I, and the subsequent things that we read. And, 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 you know, when we started this series, my whole goal was to move you into a posture of choosing joy. That's been my, my whole aim is, can I get you to choose a posture of joy? Because here's what a posture of joy is like. I try to think of a good illustration, and, and I think I've got one for you, okay? A posture of joy is like wearing corrective lenses, whether it's contact lenses or glasses, and I wear contact lenses, okay? But, but choosing joy is like wearing lenses. It, it corrects your vision. And I think when you have a posture of choosing joy, it helps you to correct the things that are happening to you in life. Every experience, whether it's good or bad, it is filtered now through those correct lenses. You have this lens now to choose joy. So let's dig into what James says here. James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, because he says, your trouble will produce joy. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Troubles can produce joy. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, he says that, and I read it from the King James. He says, when you fall into diverse temptations, and the New Living Translation, it says, just count it all joy anytime you go into trouble. And I'm going to use trouble for the remainder of this sermon, because I think it's just easier to point to. But, but notice what James says here. He says, count it all joy when you fall into trouble. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say if. He says when. In other words, he's letting you know that trouble is going to happen. You will have bad days in your life. Troubles and trials will happen. You might be walking through trouble right now, and you're like, don't I know it? Don't I know it? So troubles and trials are a part of life. And, and what James is saying is when you choose joy, you're going to learn to see joy even in the midst of your trouble. Now, I'll never understand. You might be saying, well, well Pastor Josh, I, I don't want trouble. Do, do I really need to have trouble? Do I need to? I, I just want to be joyful without the trouble. Well, you know, in John 16, chapter 33, Jesus said this. He said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. Okay, so I'm sorry. It's not me talking. It's Jesus talking. Okay, it's the red letters in the Bible. Jesus said in this life, you will have trials and you will have sorrows. That's why I never understood this whole health and wealth prosperity message that, uh, that, that you're, you, you, as a believer, you should never go through any of that. I mean, Jesus said it's going to happen. That's why you should never look at troubles or trials or bad days in your life as, as some indication that you're far from God. Don't, don't look at it like that. Don't look at it like that. Um, Jesus said you're going to have troubles and you're going to have trials and you're going to have disappointment in your life life. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, every day is not going to be a good day. You're going to have some difficulty. You're going to have some struggles. You're going to have some trials in your life. Now you might be saying, well, Pastor Josh, where's the joy in all of this? Well, let's finish what he said in 1633, because he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
this world and our trouble has already been overcome by Jesus. Can I get a good amen in the comment section? Okay. Jesus says, look, you're going to have troubles, but you need to take heart because I have now already overcome the world. And what he is saying is I'm going to take all of your troubles and I am going to redeem them. Tell your neighbor watching on the couch next to you, redeem. If you're asking yourself, what does it mean to redeem? Well, let's go back to Genesis and let's ask Joseph what it means to redeem. Joseph is a character in the Bible who went through hell and back in his life. Let me tell you some of the things that happened to Joseph. Number one, his brothers tried to kill him. That's just bad enough right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you got to be in a really messed up situation to have your brothers want to kill you. And uh, if you're like new to the faith and you're new to this and you're wondering well, what, what he, what did he do to deserve such treatment? Well, he was just his father's favorite. That's it. You know, that, that was it. I mean, he was his father's favorite. So his brother said, let's kill him. So not only did his brothers try to kill him when they had a change of heart, they sold him into slavery. Once he was sold into slavery later in life, he was then put in Prison. So, so Joseph has gone through some stuff, okay? Trying to be killed, thrown in the pit, all right? Um, sold into slavery and cast into prison. But, but what does Joseph say about all of that trouble in his life? Well, in Genesis 50, 20, this is what Joseph said when he reunited with his brothers that tried to kill him. He said, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil, that is the definition of redemption. To redeem is to take what was broken and what was painful and turn it into something good. This is why I want to get you to a place where you learn to choose joy. Because when you learn to choose joy, you can go through the most sorrowful moments of your life and believe that it doesn't look good right now, but God is not done with me yet. It may not feel good right now, but God's still writing my story. I might be going through a trial right now, but God is not done. He said that he would do it in my life, and I believe it, and I'm holding to it, and I'm clinging to it because God is going to redeem my brokenness. All of these things, God will turn it around for good. That's exactly what he does. And so what, what James is talking about here in this text is he's saying, even though you're going to have trouble, you've got to see the joy in that. You've got to learn to see the joy in everything that you are going through. Because what you do when you learn to see the joy through that situation is you are grabbing a hold of a thread of joy. It might be a thread of sorrow, but you're also going to grab a thread of joy. You might have a thread representing a bad moment in your life, but you've got to weave it in with the grace of God where you saw the grace of God come to you. You might have to layer in a really messed up situation in your life, but learn to see the goodness of God. And when you begin to weave all of these threads together, you begin to create a textile for your life. When I think about my life and I think about the ups and the downs and the goods and the bads and the highs and the lows, I see that it's, it is creating a textile much like this textile. It is creating a beautiful picture. It is creating a beautiful garment, if you will, that tells the story of what God has done in my life. It is, God is, it's creating a beautiful tapestry, tapestry through my life that shows both the highs and the lows. 
Now, let me take you to the next point because he doesn't stop there. What James says next is he says that the trying of your faith is going to produce patience. So write this down. Tried faith produces patience. Tried faith produces patience. Let me give you a humorous example here. Now, for those of you that are watching online, if you were like me and grew up as a church kid, then you have experienced the most incredible moments that we call a youth camp. Come on, anyone watching online ever been to a youth camp? Put a little raising hand emoji in there. You know what I was, you know what I was thinking about when I was thinking about youth camp? Youth camp is a social experiment in which we strip kids from their environment, from their electronics, from the comfort of their home, and the rhythm of their routines. And we then send them up onto a mountain with a bunch of other teenagers that are being equally stripped of all the things that they know. We then supercharge their faith with an overload. We, I mean, we overload all five of their senses to create hopefully a life-changing moment with God. And for the overwhelming majority of the kids, it works, right? There's always like one or two, right? They go back the exact same way that they went up and the parents are like, oh my God, I thought that camp was going to fix you. But for the majority of the kids, it seems to work. Now, at the conclusion of these camps, at the conclusions of this Petri dish that I am calling a youth camp. We've got to take them out of this combustible environment of faith where we supercharge them and now drop them back into their natural environments. Now everything that they've learned and experienced has to be placed in the real world. But isn't that the point of it all anyway? I mean, isn't that the point of the Christian faith Anyway, the Christian life was not meant to be lived in the safe confines of a faith-filled petri dish that I'm calling the youth camp. Eventually, you've got to have your faith tried. Uh, eventually, your faith has to be stretched. I, I think of the trying of our faith, and I liken it to pulling back a rubber band. Come on, how many like to pull back those rubber bands and, and fling them across the room? How many know that the, the more that you pulled it back, the further you could launch that rubber band? We like the launching, and, and we love the God launched me into my purpose, but, but can I tell you that God will Pull that back. And, and here's the trine of the faith. The trine of the faith is when he pulls you back and he holds this position. And sometimes that's what life feels like. You feel like, okay, I've been stretched. When are you going to launch me, God? When, when are you going to let me go? And here's the deal. God will hold you right here. He, he will hold you right at that moment. And you're wondering, how long will you hold me there? Well, I don't know. Ask Israel. He let them just wander in the desert for 40 years. So apparently he held them there for 40 years. We said, okay, now I'm going to let you go. But that's what God is going to do. He is going to try your faith. He will hold you in suspense as long as needed to ensure that you are ready for that launching. And so what God has got to do with your faith, after you've been supercharged with the faith of God, now he's got to test it. Now he's got to try. It is throughout all the scriptures. I know you would love to receive faith from God and never have it tried, but he's got to try your faith because that is what is going to produce patience in your life. And so the goal is to get your faith to mature. Let me, let me take you back to this garment here that I've been talking to you about because it relates to what I am saying. How in the world do you take an avocado, the skin of an avocado and the pit of an avocado and turn it into this color? Well, the answer isn't very complex. You just boil it. <laughs> 
You take the skin of an avocado, you take the pit of an avocado, and you boil it, and you come out with this color. You see, what you've got to do is take those things and expose them to an extreme environment. And it is only when those things are exposed to an extreme environment that it produces this beautiful color. Because let's face it, I don't care how soft that avocado is, that color ain't that beautiful. But this color that's produced, this color that we see, you only get that by taking the skin in the pit and boiling it, putting it in an extreme environment. Similarly, the trine of your faith is simply that. It is taking your faith and exposing it to an extreme environment. Your faith has to be tested. It is only then that you can see the beauty of what your faith can produce. But you're never going to see the beauty of your faith unless it is first tested. It needs to be exposed to a hostile environment. It needs to be exposed into an extreme environment. But it is in those moments where we began to see something beautiful come out of something so extreme. And isn't like isn't that just like the redemption story of God? I mean, when you think about Calvary and you think about the cross, it was through that extreme exposure. It was through that extreme moment that we are then offered grace. Grace doesn't happen without the cross. Mercy doesn't happen without the cross. A second chance doesn't happen without the cross. It is through that extreme situation. And you might be walking through an extreme situation right now. Here's what I need you to do. Put on those lenses of choosing joy and ask yourself, you know what? Don't ask yourself. Ask God, God, what are you trying to show me through this? And what are you trying to produce in me through this? Now, James concludes it by saying this. Patience needs to have its perfect work in you. Patience needs to have its perfect work in you. When we read that, that implies that it's possible to have an imperfect work when your patience is not produced. So, so when your faith is not tried to the point that it produces patience, when patience isn't produced on the other side of that trying, you have what's called an imperfect work, an imperfect work. And then James goes on to say that when you have the perfect work, you have wholeness. So that implies that the imperfect work is going to leave you wanting something. An imperfect work is going to leave you, it's going to leave you in pieces and not whole. When you are not whole, you are looking for something. So you'll start looking for love in all the wrong places. You're going to look for peace through the wrong means. You're going to look through stability in the wrong situations. And the list goes on and on and on. Do you understand what James is saying now? James is saying that if you don't get that trying right, and if you don't get patience right, then what's going to happen is you're going to come out on the other side and you're not going to be made whole. You're going to come out of that situation and you won't be whole. And you know what happens when you're not whole? You perpetuate the hurt in your life. You begin to perpetuate the brokenness in your life. It creates this cycle, if you will, of perpetual hurt, perpetual brokenness, and perpetual pain. So, so, so you cannot abort that process, that, that, that extreme exposure, if you will. If you don't get that right, you don't come out whole on the other side. And you're bound to repeat that process until you get that right. Patience has to have its perfect work. So if troubles produce joy and the trying of our faith produces patience, then the danger of not allowing these two to run their course is an imperfect work. 
and it is lacking the necessary amounts of ingredients to produce the textile of your life. Let me take you back to this one last time. You see, uh, one of the things that I, I, I learned from our conversation with our friend was this. Um, she said that in your process, she, she, she would take the pit of an avocado and the skin of an avocado and create color. And she would put different things in the color. Different things were exposed. And um, she said that uh, not everything will pick up the color equally. Not everything will pick up the color equally. She said there are some garments, when they go in, they come out beautiful. And she said there's some fabrics that when you put it in, they come out and the color runs. And the color doesn't stick. And it looks distorted. And so she's playing with different fabrics and she's playing with different garments. And not only is it the fabric, but it's the amount of exposure to it as well. There has to be a certain amount of time in order for the color to stick as well. But if you have the right fabric... And if the exposure is right, it's going to hold its color. And that's how you get to produce this beautiful textile. And I'm coming to a close now. Let me, let me, let me put this all together because you might be wondering, what, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Josh, with that scarf? You just won't let it go. Here's what I found in the Bible. All throughout the Bible, there are stories that involve beautiful fabrics. All throughout the Bible, I, I started looking and I started seeing the different textiles in the scriptures. I started thinking about Rahab. Rahab, she had this red cord or this scarlet cord. It was this scarlet garment that she let out the window to mark her home when Joshua uh, came in to uh, Jericho and, and, and they began to go into there and siege the city. It was a beautiful garment. There was a scarlet textile that was led out, that, was, that was left out the window that marked her home. I started thinking about Joseph's garment. Remember, Joseph that I talked to you about, the reason that his brothers hated him was because he was his dad's favorite. And part of the reason his dad's favorite is his dad hooked him up with this garment, this garment of many different colors that his father gave him. Then there was Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? He had this mantle, and he threw this mantle on Elisha, and that was his way of announcing to both Elisha and the world, that's my successor. That's who's next. How? It was the casting off of a garment. I think about the woman who touched the hem of Jesus's garment. And by just touching the hem of his garment, she was made whole. And then this one, th th this one's big. H how about the linen that Joseph of Arimathea used to wrap the body of Jesus as they laid him now in the tomb. Think, think about that textile. And, and I see throughout the Bible different textiles used to illustrate a redemptive story. There's a story of redemption that's painted all throughout the Bible involving fabrics and colors but of all those things, no textile should be more important than the textile of your life. No, gar no garment should be more important than the garment of your life. You see, your life is telling a story. Your life is being woven together, the good with the bad, the highs and the lows, and it's creating this garment it's creating this textile. It's creating this, 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 this beautiful thing that has been woven together through threads of joy, threads of loss, threads of mourning, 
threads of memories, and all of these things are coming before you, but, but it's your job to grab those things. It, it's, it's your job to grab all of those things and to begin to create this textile of your life. Don't miss the moments in your life that God is producing. Again, good moments, low moments, high moments, not so high moments. It's your responsibility to grab them and to start to create this textile for your life. When you choose to, when you, when you have a posture of joy, when you choose joy, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this, okay? When, when you have this posture, when you, when you choose joy, you are grabbing the different threads, even if they are produced out of pain. To choose joy is to reach out and grab those things. This is why you got to have this lens of joy, because if you don't have a lens of joy, you're going to reject those threads of brokenness. You're going you're to reject those threads of loss. You're going to push aside those threads of hurt and pain. But what will happen is you don't produce the right garment that can grab the color. If you don't weave all those things together, then the garment that you have, the textile of your life that is produced, is not able to grab in the color. And you see, there's a very important color that needs to be rubbed on the textile of your life. And that is the color of red. It signifies the shed blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And what he does is he takes this color and he rubs it over the textile of your life. That is the color of redemption. That is the color of overcoming. And, 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 and you have got to have every experience woven together in order to catch Calvary. You see, you, you don't experience all the cross if all you say is, God, here's my best. God, here's all the high moments. God, here's the good in my life. You don't get all of the blood. You can't absorb all of the color. You've got to come to him and say, here's the good. And God, here's the not so good. Here's the here's crazy great things that happened in my life. And God, here's the really broken things. You, you, you bring that to him. And he paints it with red. He paints that textile of your life. And what you're left with is something beautiful, something created, exposed by extreme environments. But it tells the story of God's redemption in your life. I want to pray with you right now as we close. And I want to encourage you, look through that lens. As we choose joy, look through that lens. Choose to see all things coming together for your good. Choose to see every moment coming together for your benefit. God has given you moments. Grab them, weave them together, and let God paint the textile of your life. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for this moment that we've shared in your word. And God, I just pray right now, wherever everyone is watching from, you know the needs in their home. You know the needs in their life. Father, we just begin to pray right now over them. Meet them in the way that they need to be met. Let your spirit touch every single person exactly as they need to be reached right now, Father. We pray for healing. We pray, Father, for your deliverance. We pray for wholeness. Father, we pray that you would do a redemptive work in everybody's life. I pray that someone right now would start to look at that pain a little differently. I pray that someone right now would look at that hurt differently. I pray that someone through that posture of choosing joy, would look back at that brokenness and say, God was in it. 
God never abandoned me. God never left me alone. So I'm going to grab the threads of that story and I'm going to weave them into my life. I'm going to grab the threads of that brokenness and I'm going to weave it into my life. I'm going to grab the threads of that pain and I'm going to weave this into the textile of my life. I bring it to you, Father, so that you can now apply your blood to my life, your redemptive story meeting me your story intersecting with my story and creating something that is so beautiful father in your name we pray if this message has blessed your life i want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message god bless you